Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I know you'll be alright Even when times get hard And you feel like you're in the dark You will see Just how beautiful life can be When you soften your heart you can finally start to live your truth life. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Truthiest Life. This episode this week is Elisa Lately, so it's a solo where I'm sharing what's going on in my mind. And I try and do these the last Friday of every month, and they serve as a little bit of a timestamp for me to wrap up the month and acknowledge that another month has gone by, how quickly it has gone by, even on the days it was really hard and it felt really slow and impossible, we made it here. I invite you to use the Lisa Lately's these last Fridays of each month to reflect on the month prior, what's coming up for you, tie it in a bow, in a knot, in a package, set it to the side and shift into the newness of the next month. We can be so intentional with the way we structure time using months to compartmentalize different things and shift into parts of ourselves we want to explore more and shift away from parts of ourselves that no longer serve us. So I encourage you to perhaps take this moment to think about what's going on lately for you and how you can shift so that next month, November, the second of the last month of 2022, I don't know how, can really be a little bit different and a little bit more intentional. Today's Lisa Lately, we're covering 
really cool topics, I think. Uh, we're talking about the body part that is associated with having a stressed out nervous system. So there might be a part of your body that you're not acknowledging that if you did acknowledge could help you live easier within your body physically and emotionally. I'm going to be talking about how I learned to sleep just six years ago and celebrating my six years off of sleep medications moment. I'm going to be talking about a new boundary I'm using on social media with quote unquote followers who tell me that I trigger them. And I'm going to be talking about Sober October and some of what I see and feel as a possible negative side effect. I feel like this is obviously a positive thing for a lot of people who are trying to do it and it could lead to great change but are there some hidden consequences that i want to call out so that's on today's lisa lately let's jump right in first up on that list is talking about the body part that's associated with stress and a stressed out nervous system i am obsessed with the nervous system the older i get the more i want to learn to as i call it nourish it nourish my nervous system recognize that there's an entire part of our body system that biologically needs to be soothed to function really peacefully within this world and that it is our biological right. It's our living right to find a way to work with our bodies instead of against them. So when it comes to our nervous system, we're oftentimes talking about things like nature and breathing. But what I've also learned is that there is a body part, a muscle specifically that is associated with a stressed out nervous system, a nervous system that's out of balance. And that's called the psoas, P-S-O-A-S. And the psoas is located in the lower back region of your spine, but it's really big. So it starts from the top of your low back and then goes all around through the pelvis to the femur, your big hip bone, and it tightens up. Now, I realized this in a very interesting way. I've been definitely using yoga in a very different way as I am in an in intensive 300-hour training, an advanced training. And although I've been practicing yoga for years and right now I'm practicing more than ever, I'm doing poses that I have pretty much gotten away with ignoring for a long time because they hurt. In a typical yoga class, if there's a pose that I don't want to do, I'll just take a beat and not do it, or I'll enter it for a moment. And then I reach that tension point and I back out and we're on to the next pose. In this training course, I am learning to teach these difficult poses. So I am forced to sit with them in my body so that I really understand them within my body so that I can cue them and teach them appropriately. So as I've had to stick with these poses that I've ignored and dodged for the last 15 years of yoga, emotions have been coming up for me, really intense emotions. And I've started to think about that a little bit more is why are these emotions stuck in these specific areas and how can releasing them softening into the resistance. I want to be clear when I say softening into the resistance, not making more resistance into the resistance. How can sitting with the resistance help me learn more about my body, soften those parts, and 
essentially support my nervous system. So the psoas is one of those parts for me that is really, really tight. Now I do have low back pain, but when it comes to kind of the front of the hip, it's not an area that I walk around really complaining about. And there are certain areas in our body which can hold tension, that can be really tight, but because of the way we live our lives mechanically, like the way our bodies operate and we walk a lot and we sit a lot, sometimes we don't find that point of tension within our body to even know that there's tightness. So now that I've reached this area, I'm like, whoa, what's here? What's hiding? And why is this region associated with a nervous system response? So as it turns out, the psoas muscle is the primary muscle that's involved when the sympathetic nervous system, that's when we go into fight or flight response, is activated. When we consciously release and can relax the psoas, we can then send a signal to our bodies that we're safe, that there's no danger, and that we can relax. But how many of us are getting stressed, noticing that our psoases are getting involved, then sending that message into our body that we're safe and relaxing? it. So the first thing that I wanted to investigate in this is why? Why is the psoas involved in stress and why is our body working against us? Most of the time I've found when I ask this question of why is the body working against us? It's not that the body is working against us, but rather the way the body has evolutionarily involved, it is trying to protect us, but because we don't live the way our bodies have evolved to help us. I'll explain this a little bit in one second. We can be more harmed than helped. So when it comes to the fight or flight response, this could happen in our kitchen right now when we are triggered by a family member, right? Thanksgiving's coming up. Plenty of us are going to get into fight or flight response right around that dinner table. But true fight or flight response triggered by a cascade of hormones that comes with that stimulation is from needing to survive as a species, seeing a bear and having to run and having our body's hormones quickly change so that we can run, 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 run away from it. Now we experience fight or flight in many ways that usually don't involve running from a bear. So my guess here, this is not supported by evidence that I could find online, is that when we experience stress in our bodies from anything, our bodies prepare us for flight or fight. And therefore, we contract our muscles. We load them so that we can kind of blast off and run. But we're not running, right? A lot of the stress that we are experiencing is emotional or physical, but it doesn't involve danger in the way that our bodies evolutionarily and biologically to survive think of as dangers. So instead of contracting and then releasing, they're contracting and then getting locked. So all of that chemical change is getting locked in our bodies. And because we don't have full mobility exercise built into our day, right? Even if we're going to a workout class, we're not working all of our range of motion. We're not getting into every joint and, and spending time really getting into the deeper place of our body, our psoas is tighten. And as our psoas is tighten, our low backs hurt. And as our low backs hurt, our legs hurt. And then our feet hurt. And it's this whole body chain reaction that is also stemming from the nervous system. So this is something that I find fascinating and I want to continue to explore what it would be like to experience stress in any way, emotional, physical pain in any way, 
and send a signal to my nervous system using body awareness, using body touch, holding myself, things like that to say, you are safe. You are safe. You are safe to practice. So as openers, different things that I can do to say, release, 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 and recreate a mind body connection that is in pursuit of fostering a healthy nervous system. And I'm curious to see if by sending these signals of safety to my body, my physical restrictions also may change. So that's what I'm kind of looking to explore right now. Instead of having these areas of my body that are locking away emotions and tightness, I am within a safe way, allowing them to open, send me information and learn from them. And then me as a, a older, as an adult, as a, I don't know, a better caretaker of my body now, letting my body know that it's safe, despite the memories that it may hold. In myofascial release, I'm specifically, um, I've talked about myofascial release in past episodes, but in case you're new here, myofascial release is a type of therapy that I'm I'm doing about once a week now. And with the practitioner, you get long holds in these areas of the muscles and things release, whether it's a physical restriction or emotional. So I'm specifically working with my pr- practitioner in these areas that I wasn't working on before because it wasn't exactly where I had known pain. But I'm curious now and I'm brave enough right now to say, hey, what's going on in there and how can I release it, get to know it, and then put a band-aid of safety upon it with a hug. So I'm excited to see where that evolves from now. I wanted to just share with you a little bit more about the psoas and the relationship to the nervous system. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant, just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility 
dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Next topic today is about learning to sleep. So I was on Instagram the other day and I got a memory from Facebook that showed me a trip that I went on six years ago that day in October. That trip was a distinct memory for me and the moment that a big part of my life changed because it was the last time that I took a prescribed sleeping pill. Going back a little bit here, I never learned how to sleep. I know that sounds a little bit crazy because I mean, I was already late into my 20s when I learned to sleep, but that's the reality. I always had evening anxiety as a child. We could get into the why and all the things that led into that, but I don't think that's really worth it for this episode. I'll just kind of share that I never picked up good sleep habits. And as I meandered my way through my teenage and early 20s, things got worse. College set me up for failure in many ways. Being on my own and not having a bedtime, so to speak, as I did in high school, allowed me to kind of avoid the hours of the night that I was always fearful of, instead stay up really late. And because of college schedules and classes, I would just sleep really late. So that period of life for me, I got by, but not necessarily in a very healthy way. I also grew up in a time when binge drinking culture was really big. And I think that's changing a little bit. But there was no talk about self-care, the effects of alcohol on quality sleep. And essentially, I was just trying to survive. When it comes to not being able to sleep, there is maybe nothing worse than it Ever because you are tired and your body is fighting you and your mind is fighting you and everything about you wants to sleep, but you can't. And as the hours go by, things get worse and then the anxiety gets worse because you're not sleeping and you find yourself in a really, really, really painful cycle. I know that those that get it, get it. And I'm just trying to kind of explain it for those that don't. But um, it also feels really isolating because it's the middle of the night hours where it's dark. There's no sun. Nobody else feels like they're awake and you are just dealing with your demons. You know, the second you try to go to sleep, all those thoughts come up like, well, where's my passport and my birth certificate and all the things that you can tuck away nicely during the day kind of fly open. So as I got out of college and into the real world, so to speak, grad school and jobs that I had, I could no longer get away with what I did in college. I had to go to sleep at a normal time, get a good amount of sleep in order to function at whatever my day was there. And I had no idea how to sleep or that there was something that I now call as good sleep hygiene. Instead, I knew that my problem was I can't sleep and I need a solution. So I you know, worked with a doctor and the first thing they prescribed me was Ambien. And Ambien is such a powerful, powerful drug. And in my opinion, one of the most dangerous drugs there is. It leads to memory loss. And you, you know, if you don't go right to sleep immediately, you can do really strange things. Again, not going to go into all the details of my history there, but it is also highly addictive. And I did not do well on Ambien and very quickly formed an addiction to it. That's not a place that I ever want to go back. It is a much darker period of my life. But when you can't sleep and that anxiety comes the next day, uh, that next evening, and it's time to go to bed, 
it can feel like such a lifeboat. And did it help me in that time of need? Yes. But did it teach me skills? No, it didn't. We now have studies to support that prescription medications, often those related to sleep, can lead to depression. I also remember reading that there was new information coming out about over-the-counter medications, things like, don't quote me on this because I don't know what the active ingredient is. So I'm saying things like NyQuil and sleep aid drugs that can oftentimes be misused simply for sleep because they're available to somebody who doesn't have a prescription also can lead to feelings of depression and hopelessness. So I was kind of just in this phase of waking up groggy, wash, rinse, repeat, take the drug, you know, go throughout the day, take the drug, waking up groggy, et cetera, et cetera. I got off Ambien and I went on a less intense drug, not one that knocks you out. And honestly, I'm not sure it even worked, but I was emotionally addicted to this drug and afraid to sleep without it. And I I was very much reliant on having that drug with me in order to sleep. I know that it had negative effects on me, but again, I didn't know how to sleep and I was so desperate. And at this point in my life, we're only talking about six years ago, you know, I had a lot going for me and needed the quote unquote crutch for me at that moment to get me through it. So when I went on this trip, I went with two friends on a work trip and I really fell behind for lack of a better word. They were waking up early. They were going to the gym and I was left out because I was waking up and I was groggy and I was miserable. And it took me a lot of time to acclimate to the day before I'd start to feel like myself again. And I woke up one morning and I went to go fill my cup with water. And instead I filled the pill bottle with water. And in that moment I said, wow, as I watched all the pills dissolve in front of my face, the very pills that I completely needed and relied on for sleep, I said, wow, this is a sign from God that it's time. It's time to no longer use these drugs in the way that I was and learn how to sleep. And I share this because is there a time and a place for any of these drugs? Yes, I think that there is. And this is a deeply personal question that you yourself have to enter in the stage of life that you are at with what's going on in your life and your own reality. But for me, I had reached a point where I had built a lot of ground beneath me and it had turned from a necessary helper to a crutch that was not doing what a crutch does. A crutch should help you. This was like a crutch that would like help me and then make me fall, right? So it was like, yes, I need it. I need it until I don't. And so I took this as a strong sign from God, the universe. For me in that moment, it really did feel like God. I don't know why. I've had a few of those moments in my life and that was one of them. And I said, I'm going to learn how to sleep. I'm going to figure this out. I am not going to take prescription pills anymore for sleep. And I'm going to get this together for right now in my life. And so there were difficult weeks and months ahead. It's not that every night from then on out was easy, but I started to really take the evening much more seriously and think about the recipe for falling asleep and for staying asleep. Now, I'll be honest, I'm still not a great sleeper. I wake up multiple times a night, but the level of insomnia that I usually experience 
is so far different than what it was then. And so when I shared this on Instagram, which was really less to do about anything medication wise and more to do with a celebration of six years of me learning how to sleep, it's really not about the getting off a medication. It was about the celebration of me learning a hugely important biological life skill and and patting myself on the bat, taking a moment to really appreciate that accolade that I heard from a lot of people that you need help too. And I didn't go into full detail in this episode and I really don't want to, but I wanted to share a few things that have really helped me here. And the number one thing that I said to any of those DMs that I saw come in immediately after me sharing this is get off your phone. You know, they're, I know that they're texting me. I know that the, it was already like seven or eight o'clock at night. I know that they're DMing me, I'm sorry. And I'm like, love you, but get off your phone. Get off your phone right now. And don't go back on your phone for the rest of the night. Put it in a different room and let me know what happens. And I heard from multiple people the next day that that really helped. So for me, the number one thing that got in my way was my cell phone when I had insomnia. And at the same time, it was my vice and my connection to not feeling so lonely and scared. When you start to go to sleep and you can't and your mind starts wandering, you grab that device, right? You can distract yourself in a million ways, all of which are going to feel so much safer than what it feels like when you're alone alone and you can't sleep and that clock is ticking. It does not relax you. It emits light that messes up with your um, circadian rhythm. No, 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 not, not a good situation. So my number one tip for anyone who's struggling with sleep is to really put, if you can, good boundaries on your phone. For me now, I really try to avoid using any social media leading up to, I'd say an hour or two before bed. If I cannot be on my phone at all, that's even better. That's pretty rare though. I turn off Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and I used to, before I had a baby, keep my phone in my bathroom, not directly next to my head. I think that these things emit energy and they have more of an effect on our sleep than we even realize. So for anyone who's really struggling there, I want to just give you my number one tip, which is to not go on your phone before bed. And when you can't sleep, do not grab it thinking that that will help you go to sleep because that's what I would tell myself. And that would make it a lot worse for me too. I don't watch TV before bed very on a weekend. Maybe I will kind of just depends on what's going on with me. But as a highly sensitive person as well, taking in news or even a fictional movie can be really stimulating to my mind. So I really try and take that time to wind down. My sleep routine, I've talked about a bunch of times on this podcast. There's a lot of things that go into kind of setting me up to have good sleep, good bedtime hygiene, my pillows. And there's a lot of things. It's a high maintenance situation, but it does not involve prescription pills for me at the moment. The only thing that has helped me that I do sometimes lean on is the CBD CBD gummies from Charlotte's Web. They are non-habit forming. I take a quarter of the recommended dose. And for me, they just take that little edge off when I feel that insomnia kind of creeping back up. I have not really had success with things like melatonin that actually makes me feel groggy the next day. But yeah, that's kind of the shortened version of my sleep story. I'm still celebrating six years of learning how to sleep. And going into this next topic, I want to be clear that my celebration was less about getting off of a medication and more leaning into what I needed in that moment. And I think I was pretty clear online that it's not about the medication. It's about honoring what you need in that moment. If I was struck with terrible insomnia today and I tried all of my things and it didn't work, would I speak to a doctor about a possible medication again? 
Truth is, I would. Do I want to? No. Do I know that there are side effects? Yes. But when you get into a crux of need and deeply needing assistance, for me personally, it's about weighing the pros and cons of where I'm at individually and deeply listening to myself and my needs and shutting out the noise. Hopefully you have been around here long enough to see the full circle moments of me uh, celebrating when I had postpartum depression going on antidepressants years ago, getting off of them again. I hope that me showcasing these moments really, it doesn't influence anybody to get off the med because I'm off the med or get on a med because I'm an on, on the med, but rather helps you tune into what do I need that's going to be best for me? Fork the noise, right? Fork the noise. What do I need? That's what I'm truly, 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 truly celebrating. If we can get through what it seems like I'm celebrating. So this next topic is me not being responsible for triggering people online. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Are you tired of your scented cleaning products smelling and cleaning like meh? Then it's time for an upgrade with the power of Clorox Sentiva. With an uplifting scent that smells like coconut, Clorox Sentiva gives you powerful clean like Clorox, but a feeling like <sighs> being transported to a tropical island retreat. Imagine putting your phone on Do Not Disturb, tuning out all the constant. Just the feeling of warm sand in between your toes and a fruity drink in your hand. The ones with the little umbrella. Refresh your home to feel like an all-inclusive vacation by getting Clorox Sentiva. Also available in grapefruit and lavender scents at a nearby retail store. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th, just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. As my social media has grown over the years, my relationship to direct messages have changed. Now, as a quote unquote influencer, DMs for me have always been my favorite place. I say this because for a lot of influencers or people I know, the DMs are like a chore. They have to get through them to connect with their community, but they don't enjoy it. 
I really tapped in early on to what parts of social media make me feel good. And as much as for engagement, we need to comment on people's posts publicly. The DMs have always been my happy place. I've made best friends. I've connected with you all. You've helped me through hard times. Hopefully I've helped you through dark times. And I am somebody that thrives on a much more like one-on-one real intimate relationship and direct messages is certainly where I was getting that from. But in coming back to social media after my break this summer, I took full inventory of the energy that I lose through direct messages during this season of life and how I can get very sucked into it. And I want to get back to every single person, but how that is a give and take and how it's stealing from my real life. Not a lot of energy that I've had in the past year and in trying to hone in on my mental health. I said, you know what, if I'm going to come back, coming back to social media really has to be different. And that means changing for right now my relationship to direct messages. Now, direct messages are like a can of worms. You never know what you're going to get. Most of the time, I'm very lucky that they're positive, lovely messages, but you do get those one-offs that throw you off and they really do throw me off. You also get demanding nature from people who don't even say hello, but they scream link with an exclamation point, making me feel like a customer service representative some of the time. All of this to say that I am not using the direct messages in the same way that I used to. I try and read them. I try and see them, but I can't give all my emotional energy to every single DM that comes through. And I'm not going to allow all the DMs that come through that bring up an emotion for me to have a conversation with that person if it is not going to be the most emotionally and mentally serving for me at that time. So after I posted about learning how to sleep and celebrating that, somebody misconstrued what I had said and told me that they're pregnant on sleep meds and I'm triggering them. That's all the person said. And could I have responded back to this person that I'm so sorry that I triggered them, blah, 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 maybe. But I re-looked at what I said and how I said it. And I felt like that's not my responsibility to clean up something that you're unsure of. Like I said earlier, we all have to make decisions that are best for us in the situations that we are in. Hopefully, when we make these decisions, we don't go in blindly. We don't hide from information that we think will deter us from making the hard choice. But instead, we look at the full spectrum of things and we decide what is actually best for us. So when I read this person's message, what I really deciphered from it was that they are not feeling confident about being on the medication that they're on because they're pregnant. Now, are there side effects to drugs? And of course, hopefully she ran them by her doctor. Yes, there are. And is there a risk that's possibly being taken at any time we take a medication or a prescription drug? Yes, there is. But like I said, there comes a point where you need to acknowledge what you need to do. And I can't make that decision for you. But if you are in any way on the fence about what you are doing, again, I do not in any way think it's wrong that this person is on a medication while being pregnant. That's not my judgment of them. Only they know the situation that they're in and they have to do what they need to do the way I would do what I need to do. But what I am noticing is that this person is in a fragile state where they are not feeling 100% sure of their decision. And my celebration of learning how to sleep triggered her certainty about taking a medication. And she projected that onto me. 
And I, I'm not going to take it on. I'm not going to take it on because I think that I was really responsible with my message not being about the medication. And like I said earlier, hopefully most of the people that hang out with me can weed through my posts or things that I've said before and see that nothing is ever a one size fits all. Me being on a medication, me being off a medication, neither good, neither bad. All about the situation that I'm in and continuing to honor where I'm at. And I think that it, I bring this up more so that if you are in a fragile state in any way, be mindful of your use of the internet. While I may have said something that I feel completely comfortable saying, her perception of what I said unearthed her. And do I feel bad about that? I really do, honestly. I don't sit here cavalier or callously saying, I'm going to you know, puff up my chest and say what I'm, I'm going to say online, but I can't be responsible for everybody's emotional responses to my truths. Will I take feedback probably more times than not from people in my DMs that are um, expanding my mind and helping me see things outside of the lens and perspective that I hold? Yes, I will. I'm not saying that I'm blocking that out when, you know, using social media, but for me to move forward and feel good about what I share, by the way, I I'm not sharing a lot on social media right now. It's not that season for me, but I am checking in with myself before I share things to say, am I sharing this with a purpose? So if I'm sharing this with a purpose and I feel really good about it, how I said it, then I can't take on that conversation. And that's kind of where I'm at with this. I know that just by living in my body, I trigger people. Um, do I try to be super sensitive, especially in the eating disorder and disordered eating spaces where I have occupied conversation before, now, and probably in the future? Yes, 100%. But just so you all know, when you are in a fragile state, self-included, be mindful of your consumption of content in any way. And if things are starting to get shaky inside, check in with yourself. It's not my job to kind of be codependent with this stranger that I know online, to tell her it's okay or to tell her it's not okay. I am not equipped to have that conversation. I am only equipped to tell my story, to celebrate learning how to sleep, and to talk about my journey through wellness, through the interaction with medications that I've been on, that I've been off, and how things have changed for me over the years. Okay, so the last topic I'm going to bring up is about Sober October. Sober October is a popular trend that's going on. It's been going on for years where people abstain from alcohol for the month of October. If you have any history of alcohol addiction or sensitivity to the subject matter, totally fine. If you stop listening now and I'll see you all hopefully back next week, do what's best to honor you. I know that the topic of alcohol is a tricky one and just want you to check in with yourself. And if this conversation could at all be triggering, that is not something that I would want to happen to you. So take a moment, check in with yourself. And if you want to continue, here we go. So Sober October has been going on for many years. I've partaken in many in my life. And I have also reflected on what has happened after them as I look back on them. Now, this year hits a little bit differently because mocktails, non-alcoholic beverages that kind of resemble the flavor profiles of alcoholic beverages, cocktails, namely, are really popular. And I am all for this mocktail moment that's going on and the trend that 
that's on the rise on TikTok, on Instagram. Olivia Nasita, she's been on this podcast. She is making incredible looking mocktails that are so inspiring and really allows people to partake in the social aspect of drinking at holidays, seasons coming upon us at holidays, at parties, all that stuff without feeling like you're missing out. I think that that's kind of a lot of the reason people end up do drinking who are kind of like, eh, I don't really like alcohol, but I feel weird at parties not holding something. Being able to hold something that's non-alcoholic that still has a little bit of like a vibey, a party vibe to it is awesome. And with this trend on the rise, I'm seeing that great bars in New York City. I was just at this restaurant, Anton's in New York City. They had a great mocktail menu. This new restaurant, Felice in Roslyn, uh, Long Island, where I live, incredible mocktails. Like, it's so good to see that we're not just seeing soda and non-alcoholic beer and like coconut water as the options, because these are what the options have kind of typically been like in even places that are trying to have non-alcoholic options. So... There are a lot of positive things happening, I think, around the normalization of alcohol that I grew up with to hopefully younger generations. And like I mentioned earlier, like in my college years, it was very normalized to drink a lot of the nights of the week and brown out, as we call it, binge drink, not remember what we did the night before. And we did this a lot. And I just it terrifies me what the effects on my generation our cohort of people, what our livers are really going to look like. But that's a whole other story. So Sober October is great because people are learning that they can enter social situations and not drink. They're breaking the habit of going out to dinner and having a glass of wine or ending the day with a glass of wine or a drink, whatever it is. So all of this is really, really, really positive. And I still think it's overwhelmingly positive, but... I think there's also something to say about being on a streak or having this allotted amount of time of not doing something and then either breaking that streak or the time being over and it backfiring. So similar to being on a diet and restricting food groups, right? Like what happens when we do that? We go even harder into the sugar or carbs or whatever it is that we were restricting. Is alcohol different because we can not have any of it and still survive and it's not a necessity to our diet. It's not a nutrient by any means. It's actually toxic. Um, yes, 100%. But I have seen for many people, especially when I used to work one-on-one -on -one with clients, that the end of a sober October was marked with a celebratory drink. And because of that restraint that was used during the month of October specifically, it backfired. More drinking, less in touch with, do I want to drink after this? And more just, oh, I want to drink a sober October is done. So how can we utilize something like a Sober October and then bring intention to it? I think it's a great habit breaker. I think it's a great like everything breaker, just getting back in touch with yourself. But when the month is over, can we bring, this is going to sound weird, but like mindfulness to it. For myself personally, I have found that hard rules in any capacity don't work for me. I don't have a addiction to alcohol. I've never displayed that, fortunately. But that being said, even a hard rule with alcohol for me feels like a form of resistance that I don't like to face because it disconnects me from what I truly want. I don't know if this makes sense or if I'm like the only person in this category, but for me, instead of doing a sober October, I have many months throughout the year that end up being sober 
February, sober Junes, whatever it is, simply because I don't want anything to drink. And when I do want something to drink, I also stay tuned into that. Okay, why do you want something to drink? I have hard rules around drinking all year round that include never drinking when you're sad, not drinking when you're angry, and asking yourself, why do I want this drink? Is alcohol healthy? No, I'm never going to put alcohol in a healthy category, even if you could argue that wine has some sort of nutritional properties that are have been found to be um, heart positive, cardio positive. I'm still never going to put alcohol in that category. But can, as a behavior, alcohol be drink drinking consumed in a positive way? And I think that it can. It's not about the alcohol so much if it's about the food or a celebration, right? If the emphasis is on something else. So For me personally, as I've gotten older, I have found that deeply listening to myself is the healthiest way for me right now to have a healthier relationship to alcohol. Last night, for example, I went to dinner with three girls. And oftentimes when we go to these girls' night out, I think it's very popular that we all order drinks because we think the other people want it, right? Like there's this, I don't, maybe it's unspoken, maybe it's just like my perception, but I I think this is pretty universal that like girls' night out, let's get drinks, blah, blah, blah. And interestingly, the three girls that I was with, one was pregnant, the other two aren't, were like, no, I don't want to drink. Two got a Diet Coke, one got a a mocktail that was on the menu. And I was like, that's interesting because I do want to drink. Is it weird if I have a drink and they don't? And then we're having this like delicious pasta meal. It was this this ambiance of like fall vibes and coziness. And I ordered a drink when nobody else did. And I drank half of it because the emphasis wasn't even on the drink. And the night before that, I went out with a group of girls and they all had a drink and I didn't because I didn't want one. And it's funny because when we really are tuning into ourselves, I think that's when we find the healthier relationship to it all. And again, for me, this has found to be more healthier than like large blocks of time where I'm like, I'm not drinking for some semi-specific reason. So if you are engaging in this activity of Sober October, great, really cool. But I encourage you to really ask yourself what happens next. And if you do are finding that it's backfiring, that you're wanting the alcohol more than ever or you're drinking more than ever after it, it's never too late to back up and say, hey, what's going on? Why do I want this drink so much? Why am I feeling so restrained by the confines of it? That's kind of where I'm at with this. Just kind of want to call out a a binge effect post-October that may happen to some people and hope that we can continue to see the rise of mocktails, talk about the toxicity of alcohol normalization, and learn to individually find a healthy relationship to alcohol that is not about the alcohol. Or we learn perhaps that our relationship to alcohol in general needs a huge rehaul or possibly needs to be non-existent if it's some sort of a crutch or crutch that's hurting us more than it's helping us. So this is a great way for us all to just reflect on our own relationships to alcohol, how we use it, the way we use it, the varying ways we can use it in different circumstances, and really focus on having a healthier relationship to it, even though that's going to look like different things for different people. 
So that's my hot take on Sober October, something to think on. I'm super excited to see a future generation that isn't reliant on alcohol the way my generation was to reduce social anxiety. There were no conversations about that even happening when I was in college and in my 20s. And the more conversations we have about that, the less people feel alone, the more able they're they are to um, look at themselves more clearly and make choices that are hopefully more beneficial for their mental and physical health. Ultimately, I do think Sober October is a good thing for everyone, but I think there's some things that we need to discuss within it that we need to call out. I hope you all have a great Halloween and I'll see you back here next week. Thanks for living your truthiest life. Love you all. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.